What's good, everyone? Welcome back to the Bucks Film Room Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sampson, and you can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I write about the Milwaukee Bucks for Brew Hoop and Forbes Sports. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you listen to podcasts. Just search for the Brew Hoop feed and you can find it under there. It comes out every Thursday, so make sure to continue to checking in. Of course, you guys probably already know that, which is why you're here. And we are are less than one week away from basketball. It may be somewhat meaningless basketball, but the Bucks tip off their preseason on this upcoming Monday, October 7th, against the Chicago Bulls. So next week, we will have some somewhat real game action to talk about, and that'll be exciting stuff. Even though it's been a shorter summer than normal for us Bucks fans, you know, it still felt like a long summer, especially with that sour taste that the Eastern Conference Finals left in our mouth. But Still, we're here. We're less than a week away, just a few days until Monday, and we'll have some real basketball. And so for today, I'll share my takeaways from the Bucks Media Day this past Monday, which I was so fortunate to be at. And then we'll do our final player preview as we take a look at Giannis Antetokounmpo. So let's begin with our my big takeaways from Media Day. For starters, I think the biggest thing is Giannis saying he's not going to talk about his contract extension. He's eligible for the Supermax contract extension this summer, so after the season is over. And of course, one of the first questions was asked about it, and he said that he's not going to discuss it this year, that it would be disrespectful to his teammates, you know, just kind of that whole, you know, you really set that parameter, that boundary right away as far as what he is not going to talk about. And some Bucks fans are worried, and, and I get that, you know, one clear solution would be for him just to say like, yep, I'm going to sign it, no need to worry about it, I'm going to sign it, we're good to go. However, it's also a business decision for Giannis, and he's really got to play it out. You know, it's up to the Bucks to show him that they're committed management and ownership is one of the biggest advantages in sports and he's got to make sure that you know the Bucks can give him that advantage especially as he's about to enter his prime in two years you know he's got to make sure that they're committed to the job and that they're doing a good job at it and so I'm not overly worried about him not just committing right away to the Bucks. I mean what else could he have done he's already in the past has talked about his loyalty. He has loyalty in his DNA. He's committed to Milwaukee. You know, I don't know what else he could have he could have done in the past. So I'm not overly worried about this. It's good to set that those boundaries right away and make it clear. Otherwise it just lingers. I mean, you see like with ESPN already trying to make the headlines. I think Jalen Rose is talking about Something like, all oh, the Bucks should be worried about Giannis's answer, blah, blah, blah. We saw before on the jump, some somebody was saying that the Warriors could come in and take him away, even though there's really not a legitimate path to the Warriors. You know, they'd have to trade away two of their big contracts and not take any money back, and then they would still be about $6 million short. And so... It, you know, that's just going to ramp up. It's a big headline. It's a weak free agent class next year. And so who else are they going to talk about but the biggest free agent in a couple of years? And so I'm not overly worried about Giannis's answer. I think the questions will continue to come in, especially when he hits the road or from the national media, that kind of stuff. Those questions are going to continue to come in all year long. But I think he tried to draw that boundary. Um, and, you know, and what good can come from him allowing these questions to linger? Last year, you look, it was Brogdon, Bledsoe, Lopez. You know, they were all free agents, the whole starting lineup. 
except for Giannis. And those questions, you know, they kind of were here and there, but they didn't become a big issue at all. You know, the team continued to play well and continued to focus on the team instead of the individuals, and it worked out pretty well. And so Giannis is just trying to keep that flow going. Overall, I'm not overly worried about that answer that he gave. Uh, Another thing that I heard, another takeaway, was this common theme about getting better and improving one step at a time. Uh, Coach Bud and John Horst were the first two up there at Media Day, and they really set that tone how, you know, there weren't, nobody really made any crazy comments or had any crazy aspirations or made bold statements like, we're going to win 65 games or we're going to win the NBA championship. That really wasn't talked about at all from Horse and Bud all the way down through, you know, uh, DJ Wilson or Dante DiVincenzo or Pat Connaughton. Nobody made any comments like that. Um, and so really the common theme was just about getting better and improving one step at a time and always just like that being their focus. So I thought that was just a big takeaway is they just want to get better and better and better. They, they know that if they play their best basketball, they will be very hard to beat. And so that's what they're focused on is trying to maximize their own talent, not worry about what's going on outside of their franchise or their organization, not worry about what the 76ers are doing or what the Clippers are doing or what the Lakers are doing. Just worry about if they can play their best basketball, then they are very hard to stop. And we saw that all the way through the first two games of the Eastern Conference Finals. They were playing really good basketball when they got off their game then they're easier to beat. But when they're really on their game, they're one of the best teams in the NBA and a team that lines that plays across from them, you know, that's matching up with them really has to play their best basketball as well. And so Milwaukee's just really focused on themselves. Another takeaway that I had, uh, maybe one of the final ones, is that I think you know, Robin Lopez, he is going to shoot a lot of threes. He's He kind of tried to keep it under wraps. Uh, Brooke Lopez was one of the, I think Brooke Lopez came after Giannis and Thanasis, and he was supposed to be with Robin. For whatever reason, Robin dropped out and ended up going with pa- Pat Connaughton later on. But Brooke had said that uh, Bledsoe told Brooke that in the scrimmages, Robin was, you know, lighting it up or shooting fairly well from downtown. And Robin really tried to downplay that in his comments, really didn't have much to say about that. But I think that, you know, we are going to see that huge jump, maybe similar, maybe not as dramatic, but maybe similar to what we saw with Brooke Lopez. You know, in 2015-16, Brooke only took 14 three-point attempts. And then the following year, that boomed up to 387. And so Robin, he only took 31 last year, and I don't think he'll necessarily jump up to 387 because I don't think Robin will get the minutes to be able to shoot that many threes. But I think, you know, we could be looking at 200-some three-point attempts this year from Robin, um, right around that number. And so I think that's just one takeaway is he's going to shoot that. And the Bucks on Twitter released, like, a quick, like, film, and, of course, one of them, they cut to Robin draining a three-pointer from the top of the key and you know, I, th- I think he's going to shoot a lot of threes. They're going to expect him. You know, they had such tremendous success with this five-out offense where they really, 
they really are dedicated to spacing the floor. And so they're going to expect Robin to do that same thing. He's not going to be like this one guy in the roster or on the floor doesn't shoot threes. They're going to expect him to do that. Horace has talked about in previous interviews, they've done their studies on his corner threes or their research on his corner threes, on his free throw attempts, that kind of stuff. And they are confident in his ability. And so that's one thing I fully expect. Like, let's just put that to rest right now. Robin will shoot a lot of threes this year. All right, so that's those are my kind of main takeaways from the media day. Hopefully they allow me back. You know, I hope to make it out to a couple more games or some different things like that this year. Um, and so let's move on to we have our final player preview. I feel like we've been doing these player previews for a long time, and we have our last one with Giannis Antetokounmpo today. So let's move into discussing him. As you all know, Giannis was the league MVP last season by averaging a career-high 39.3 points per 100 possessions, 8.4 assists, and 17.7 rebounds all per 100. And he's really made nice improvements every year of his career. Every single year, he adds to his game. He adds to his game. He keeps getting better and better and better. And it's not just like in one or two categories, but it's you know seems to be across the board. It's this incremental improvement. And we have no reason to expect that that's not going to happen this year you know it was a lot shorter of a summer for him you know with the Bucks going deep into the playoffs than him playing in the in FIBA and we'll just see how that goes but there's no reason until he stops improving across the board or adding something significant to his game every year until that happens we're going to expect him to continue to do that fair or unfair um, but he's just you know a beast he works hard that's what, this is his passion and so let's jump into his game by looking at his strengths Obviously, the big one is his ability to not only get into the paint, but finish in the paint as well. Uh, he ranked in the 100th percentile among forwards at uh, rim shots last year. So he ended up with 765 shots at the rim and 203 fouls drawn at the rim. Um, and so that equates to about 66% of his shot selection last year coming at the rim, according to cleaning the glass. So he really can get there at will. He has a tremendous blend of of quickness, of ball handling, of a good first step, of strength. You know, he blends all that stuff where he can really get to the rim and do whatever he wants against most people. And once he gets there, he's an elite finisher as well. He finished a career high 74% of his shots around the rim last year. So he's really, that ranks in the 90th percentile among forwards, according to cleaning the glass. So not only can he get to the rim at, at will, but he can finish at the rim at will as well. And that's really huge. Excuse me. Uh, for for the Bucks, you know they predicate their offense on trying to create shots. You know, last year it was really it was really Giannis and Bledsoe and Brogdon who were forced to create those shots. More of that's going to fall on Giannis this year. So it's really important for him to be able to get to the rim because that's what you know sucks in the defense. And in this age of analytics, three point shots are are kind of seen as the best shots, but still anything dunks and layups, they still trump three point shots in most situations, especially when you have somebody shooting 74% at in that area. And so that's really something that's huge. You know, that sets up the whole offense when he can disrupt a defense, when he can get into the paint, it collapses everyone. It sucks everyone in. And if Giannis can't finish, he's smart enough and unselfish enough to be able to kick it out. And so that's really huge for him to be able to do that and to continue to be able to do that. 
and that kind of goes into his his next strength is that shot creation. Um, he can, you know, really pull people into the lane and then find his open teammates, which I think is huge. His he had a career high of a uh, twenty nine point three percent assist percentage last year, which again ranked in the ninety eighth percentile among forwards, and so that's really important for him, you know, to be able to continue to do that. And it wasn't just like it was other, you know, just other shots. He's also creating threes for his teammates. He 200 he had 267 assists uh that went for threes to his teammates last year and so that's really huge for him to be able to continue to do that you know that spacing doesn't do anything if you have a guy who just gets tunnel vision and barrels into the lane but he doesn't have tunnel vision he can create those shots for himself and for others and how does he create those shots his ball handling he has he has really good ball handling skills especially when you consider that he's a seven footer and I think official heights are released next week and so I'll be interested to see like what he is listed as um, for those of you who don't know the NBA is requiring teams to officially measure players and then submit those measurements to the NBA office and I think that happens next week or it comes out next week and so we'll get We'll get to see exactly how tall Giannis is, how tall, you know, I'm really looking forward to Brooke and Robin. At Media Day, Giannis said that they're listed at seven foot, but they're really like seven two. And so we'll see where they come out. But that ball handling back to the strength is really important for Giannis. And it's something that allows him to get out and run in transition, where he's also elite at it is in transition. Gets him allows him to do that, allows him to create his shot off the bounce. You know, when his man is playing him, you know, sinking off of him, not playing him tight, he can still use his ball handles or his ball handling skills and other areas like his strength and athleticism to create those shots. Moving to the other end of the court, let's talk about his help side defense and his rim protection. Those are, you know, Boonhauser has done a really great job. And, you know, Jason Kidd did this uh, to some degree as well about playing Giannis off ball, finding kind of the weak shooter. And that's not, you know, you see other guys like Steph Curry or players like that trying to be hidden on these weak defenders or weak offensive players, but that's not the case with Giannis at all. It's actually to maximize his defensive skill and allow him to roam and to protect that paint. Part of the reason why the Bucks had such an elite defense last year was number one, Brooke Lopez was a great paint and rim protector, but then Giannis was also there. You had two really great defenders there. Giannis can fly in. He can really kind of play like that free safety and just kind of roam the court um, while still paying attention to his man, you know? And so I think that's really something that he can defend the paint and he can uh, keep that area clear. It really provides, you know, there are other guards like Eric Bledsoe, and Mel, uh, well, I almost said Malcolm Brogdon, but he won't be here this year. It really provides guys like Bledsoe and Middleton, Sterling Brown, Wes Matthews, a little more leeway. You know, when you have this huge defensive player behind you that just kind of cleans everything up, it gives you more more of an ability to pressure your guy on the perimeter and to run him off the three-point line and do different things like that. Um, last year, Giannis blocked a career-high 2.3% um, of opponent shots, which is just a huge number. And so we'll really see how that continues. And I expect him to continue to be elite. And as far as like kind of some of the intangibles, his hustle and his leadership as well, you know, he's not a, he's a guy who 
will be kind of like the rah-rah, like let's get going, but it also lead by example. He'll he dives on the floor for loose balls. He's sprinting end to end. You don't see him lollygagging or hanging his head. He really leads by example. And so I think that hustle and that leadership is really great. Uh Budenholzer talked at Media Day about Giannis really just trying to de- continue to develop as a leader and take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and really just, you know, take on more of those leadership skills for this team. And so I think that's already a strength that he has, and it sounds like he's committed to getting better. The next category that we have is weaknesses. And let's just start with the obvious one. That's his outside shot. Um, His three-point shot has been a weakness, you know, pretty much throughout his whole career. Uh, Last year, he ranked in the first percentile among forwards by knocking down 26% of his three-point shots according to cleaning the glass. And so that really is, you know, one of, that's his second lowest of his career. Um, And so that's really his biggest weakness right there is that outside shot. And then it kind of, you know, moves over into the, uh, his mid-range game as well. He doesn't have a strong mid-range game either. And so that really allows his man and opponents to sag off of him and give him a lot of space to work with. He ended up being able to use that to his advantage because he'd be able to get downhill. But still, like he, opponents don't have to respect him. They can kind of help off of him a little bit in that regard. So that's really you know one of his biggest weaknesses is his mid-range and his outside shot. Um I, I would also say like a lack of a go-to move. You know, Giannis, he has his spin move off the drive, which teams are really starting to focus in on. But I think he still needs to find his go-to move, his move that he can use to score in crunch time. That's really what I would label as his biggest weakness. Not necessarily the outside shot, just something that he can use to score when times get tough. You know, Kawhi has his, Harden has his, all the greats, they have their go-to move. Giannis quite hasn't found his yet. And so that's what I would label as one of his biggest weaknesses is just the thing that, that, that move he can go to where he trusts it, he can go to in crunch time, even if the defense knows what's coming, he knows he can make that shot consistently. And another thing I would put in his weaknesses category is, and this is just being really picky, I mean, with... With, with most of the stuff with these great players like Giannis, we just have to be really picky. And so this weakness is that he, you know, his on-ball defense. He's he's above average on on-ball defense. I mean, he's not a bad on-ball defender. He's just not an elite on-ball defender. Um, and so he gets knocked sometimes for not being able to shut down his man one-on-one like somebody like Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, Kawhi rightfully or wrongfully gets all this credit for locking down Giannis even though it was a team effort but Kawhi is the face of that so he gets most of that credit and some analysts have even gone as far to say like why wasn't Giannis on Kawhi why wasn't the other way around and that's just not Giannis's strength um it's not a I was gonna say it's not a weakness but we're talking about the weakness category but I could just say let's just say something that he can work on getting better at you know he's such an elite off-ball defender where he can help and do things like that but also just if he can work on his game to be able to fight through or over screens a little more uh, effectively and consistently and really work on his lateral quickness a little bit that could just help him take his game to the next level like I said he's not a bad on-ball defender he's not even an average on-ball defender he's definitely above average but just taking that next step there all right moving on to best case scenario 
Um, you know, a lot of people say he's got to develop a consistent three-point shot. He's got to do this or do that from the outside. And I'm not going to put that in his best case scenario. I would just say like maybe shoot 30% from the three-point line, just tick up his percentage just a little bit. Um, that would be his best case. For me, it comes down to that go-to move again. And I have a hunch that it's going to be from the mid-range, that he's really going to develop something from the mid-range where if the Bucks are down one or if they need a bucket, that he can pull that out and he can go to it. Or if they need it, you know, the other team's making a run and Milwaukee really needs to stop it and, and really get the ball in the hoop, that he can come up with that. So that's really a best-case scenario that I see is him just him developing that go-to move or at least starting to develop that. We see him starting to to whip that out. Maybe it's not as consistent as we would like it to be, but he's starting that process. We're seeing that. And so that's really what I would like to see as a best case is when the Bucks need that bucket, they can know they can go to Giannis. He doesn't have to work focus on driving into the hole. He can find something in that 10 to 12 foot range and really try to figure out, you know, how that shot works. And continuing on, I think, you know, he takes that next step in being able to read defense and, and with his ball handling and playmaking and shot creation, he really takes that to the next step. Um, I'd mentioned earlier that he is, he created 267 made threes for his teammates last year. Let's bump that number up to 300. Um, that's not out of the, out of the realm of possibilities. Elite playmakers like Russell Westbrook, I think he had like 320 some. Don't exactly quote me, but that was about how many assists for threes Westbrook had last year. And so I would really like to see Giannis get up to like around that 300 number and just really take that next step. You know, with Brogdon gone, the Bucks are going to need more shot creation from their guys like Bledsoe, like Middleton, like Giannis. And so I would like to see him do that is just create even more shots. And with somebody like Wes Matthews and Kyle Korver who are not going to be afraid to shoot the ball, that's definitely doable. You know, that's definitely in the realm of possibility. So let's see him take that next step in reading defenses. Um, and then the lastly, best cases, they're able to rest him and they get a few, a good amount of blowouts and not, they don't have to overuse him early on. I think it's really about that pacing, you know, this for this first few months, especially like just let him, let him coast, do that 30 some minutes a game or uh, low thirties. Um, maybe even, yeah, like 31, 32, like let's keep it right around there. Um, and I think that would be great. Just keep him fresh going into that postseason run and, and not have to overuse him early on. The last category that we have is worst case scenario. So I think worst case, the big one is this three-point shot doesn't approve. It stays right at that 25 to 26%. You know, he really, it's not about taking huge leaps at this point. You know, even at 24, if he just bumps it two percentage points, you know, if he bumps it two percentage points every year for the next four years, so until he's 28, you know, all of a sudden he's a 34, 35% three-point shooter and so it's not about taking a huge leap it's just you know little incremental steps and so worst case scenario would be he doesn't take that incremental step it stays the same it stays at 25 26 percent um and he doesn't develop that consistent go-to move as well he doesn't have a way um to create his own shot consistently in crunch time i think those would be two of the worst case scenarios you know at this point he's not going to decline in any areas really at 24 he's coming into his prime and he's not going to decline, so it's not like he's going to necessarily take a step back. Uh, things may look differently. He may not have the same counting stats as he did last year, but that doesn't mean that he took a step back. Um, so really, worst cases, I don't think he's going to decline in any 
in any of these areas, but maybe he just does not improve like we had hoped or like we had expected. Um, and so really, I think that's the as much of a worst case as it gets for Giannis at this point. I mean, there's not this huge turn of events that can happen where all of a sudden he's a only a good player or whatnot. Like he's going to be an elite player once again. Well, that's all that I have for you today, folks. Please check in next Thursday when we start talking about some actual Bucks basketball. So thanks for tuning in, and don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I hope to catch you next time. <laughs>